Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about old books, old art by old guys. And we hold on, unnecessary. We are here to tell you about old things that you should know, help you understand some old books, help you understand some old ideas, and do it in a way that doesn't suck. That's our whole goal here at Classical Stuff. We there are three of us. My name is AJ Hannenberg, and I'm here with Graham Donaldson. Hi. And Thomas Magby. Hello. And all three of us work at a classical school in Austin, Texas, and we all really like classical things. Uh, if you'd like to support us, you can find us on the Twitters at, at @clsscalstuff. You can email us at theguys at classicalstuff.net, which is the same place you can find our website, classicalstuff.net. And we are on Patreon if you ever get the hankering to support us. Uh, the $5 level gets you all of our episodes without ads, which you can get right now for free <laughs> just about anywhere. Um, but if we ever do Thanks, ads, really you can still selling. get them yeah, for free. Yeah, great. And uh, <laughs> so that's important. <laughs> all of our stuff for free. Um, at the... <laughs> Really, Eventually, really we're going to like Good. redo those first episodes and they'll go into the classical stuff vault and you'll yeah. have to pay to get them. But at the $10 level, you get our banter between episodes and I believe access to our AMA, our monthly AMA that we do. And then at the $15 level, you can help guide the direction of the podcast. You can suggest episodes, you can you know, send in designs for merch and that sort of thing. You can help us figure out where this is headed next. All right. That is what we're doing. Burke. And it is. We are in the glory days of Austin, Texas weather right now. Yes. It's beautiful. It, it, is. Wonderful it is so gorgeous outside. It is that It is that perfect October where it's like 75 degrees, 80 yep. degrees outside. And oh my word. At night, it's sweatshirt and sandals weather. <sighs> it's it is great. glorious. Okay. And today's episode is coming from Thomas. Hi. That's me. So this episode, you know, it, so it's funny. I, I'm sure we've talked about this before. We record three of these episodes at a time. Sorry <laughs> if that's like too that much. That is funny. Is that, it's hilarious. <laughs> what, what? And so I guess if you ever notice us flagging in like a certain episode, it's probably the third episode of our recording. But so what I'll be talking about today is a continuation of last week's episode. So for you, you listen to it on Tuesday when it dropped, right? You want, you listen to it immediately. Um, but for us, it was like three weeks ago. Don't, don't you're breaking the, I, I've broken this like so many times. So this I apologize. Is a fourth so, wall, man. As, but we talk to our listeners all the time. Hi, oh. YouTube. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at classical stuff. Okay. So, uh, this will be a continuation of what was talked about at the end of last week's episode. So Graham, mm-hmm. th- that was your episode. That was week. my episode remember, or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Okay. Do you remember where we ended? It, it's, it's roughly the last seven minutes. I'm sure you have it. A minute by minute memory of this thing. It was, right? does your dog want your stuff? Yes. And so we talked about dogs um, <laughs> mating for life. We talked about uh, the beauty of animals. And no, what are we talking no. about in the last seven minutes? Um, so we, uh, I sort of floated out this idea that in the medieval world, rightly thinking about things was also considered medicinal. So that theology was uh, that when you when someone was a, f- a doctor of physic or when someone was a, uh, a doctor, there was the medical side of things. So if you go, Doc, my arm hurts, and he'll be like, well, have you tried bleeding or whatever they would say in the Middle sure. Ages? Or have you tried these herbs and these sorts of things? But you would also go to a doctor and you'd say, um, Doctor, I can't sleep. I'm just worried about death all the time. And the actual um, uh, sort of prescription would be to rightly consider things or to go back and read a catechism and learn about like what you should believe about, you know, death or whatever, whatever the, the, the specific thing is on your mind, go back and, and rightly consider that thing. And in the medieval structure, 
um, the world was set up in a way that God created it, and it had a it had a, a celestial hierarchy, and you fit into that hierarchy. And insofar as you were trying to get out of that hierarchy or trying to um, sort of break out of that hierarchy, you were eventually going to end up sad in some way, sad, miserable, uh, melancholy was the old word, something like that. Yes. And insofar as you sort of submitted to your lot in life and your hierarchy, it, you were going to actually have some kind of um, spiritual comfort in that. So it's this idea that um, rightly considering things and theology was also a form of um, medicine. And that my sort of posited the idea that modern psychology kind of has and, and and you know uh, talk therapy and uh, self help books and all these kinds of things are fitting are filling that same um, slot in our sort of human society our modern society but but without without the I guess the catechism part or without the theology part of it or is is, is that a good enough summary is yeah, that kind of what you're your getting episode, at so yeah I mean I feel great about it that was like you said last week so <laughs> you mean three weeks ago definitely okay so uh, you place this in a uh, medieval time period we're going to actually even go back further than that this is an even older idea than um than even you're pointing to oh so my word just you know you're onto something here uh so the apparently not i'm, I'm a, well, you're on something but it just goes back like a thousand more years gotcha. so don't worry about it um so the the book oh I'll, actually oh. just interrupt and then i think something That's else most of these episodes um we can also go back and look at um, uh, AJ's episodes on the seven deadly thoughts yes. and, the se- and, the, and the virtues because that's in there in – was it AJ's episode or your episode on the seven deadly thoughts? I think it was AJ's. AJ did one on hell, which talked about the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. I did Evagrius. Eva- yeah. But in those episodes when we started talking one? about the I sins – I think I did one I think called it's the eight, eight tempting thoughts. Eight tempting thoughts. Yeah. yeah. When we did that episode, we were also kind of talking about that thing where in if you had this sort of thought that – you were obsessed with, with, it could not only affect you spiritually, but it could actually manifest itself physically. Yep. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll eventually get there of actually going through like a history of thought. Again, that's like, we're classical stuff. We like to talk about old things. So the book that we'll eventually get to is Pastoral Theology and the Classical Tradition by Andrew Purvis. Purvis, P-U-R-V-E-S. So thanks, Andrew. Uh, this, I made reference to having uh, taken classes with the class uh, with the uh, Christian counseling and education foundation, CCEF. This is one of the books from one of those courses. So mm-hmm. we'll be tracking this idea uh, that Graham is pointing to. And that I think is really helpful and interesting. Uh, I guess before we but get in- super controversial, uh, right? What, like, what about it? Yeah. You, yeah. I think, you know, if you were that guy at the, like the psychologist conference and this was your talk, you would get in trouble. Get booed off yeah. the stage. Well then let's start there with kind of the more modern context of where we are now. So you, you're saying that, you know, back in the day, theology might be some way to understand the counseling situation. What is, what's our current mode? What's our current situation? I mean, whenever I sort of, I don't often float this idea in my class, but I often see my students revert to like a material answer to these kinds of things. And they always say brain chemistry, Mm -hmm. there's something wrong in your brain with your chemicals. And that's why X, Y, and Z things are happening. Or if you are it's like, if you're feeling sad, it's because of your brain chemicals. And when I'm like, well, tell me, about what does that mean? They're mm-hmm. like, no, it's just your brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Um, and I feel like, so there's probably, I feel like there's there's that wing mm-hmm. of um, talking about psychology is that you've got this, it's all chemical kind of wing and mm-hmm. therefore other drugs or some kind of balancing of the chemicals is what's needed. Right. And then there's probably something that would be on the other side of the spectrum, which is 
pseudo-spiritual, where it's now, um, you sort of need to talk it out, you need to find the power within, and you need to sort of, like, psych yourself up and power of self-determination and... It's and, all spiritual. And give no. yourself hugs and that kind of stuff. Right. Is that... I mean, again, this is a field that I'm not interested in. I mean, not... <laughs> no, no, no. It's just like, <laughs> wow. No, 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 no. I mean, so like... For your episode, yeah, Tom. Episode. No, 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 sorry, what that's not what I mean. It's a field that, like, I don't naturally <laughs> have a... Uh, that I don't, I, I don't do a lot of reading on this in my in my spare time. So uh, I actually, I'm speaking out of a more ignorance. It's still helpful to know your association with it. Yeah, and I would also add your experience with students gives you access to like mm-hmm. a different generation how they're thinking about mental health, maybe sure. as, a, as a broader topic. Uh, AJ, what associations do you have? I guess on this topic of uh, counseling, maybe most broadly. Um, I have, I, I know a lot of people who are close to me that have been through counseling. Mm-hmm. I personally know a counselor who's a great friend and goes to counseling herself, says it's everybody should and it's fantastic. And I, on that, on that spectrum that Graham talks about from it's all chemical and physical to it's spiritual, I, I think deep down in my heart, I want it to be that the chemicals, the problem is there's a causation fallacy, right? Yes, the chemicals are different in your brain, but where's that coming from? Is it coming, like, when you are sad, are you producing more of the sad chemical in your brain, or does more chemicals happen first and it causes your sadness? So, there, like, it is happening, but I, I want deep in my heart for it to be the latter, that what I feel has an effect on me physically, and sure. that if I can fix my theology, it'll be fixed. But I know that that's not, like, personally, I have experienced where it, it is chemical. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I have seasonal affective disorder really bad. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in Washington, well, for so the, does everybody from the North. I mean, this is like, well, and that's par for the course in Canada. And that's the thing. Like there is a chemical element because when I, when it's overcast for nine months and it gets dark at 4 PM, yeah. I'm depressed and I spiral into depression when yeah. the circumstances of my life have not changed. And I realized this only in college when one day I was like, my life is the worst. It's terrible. I want to die. I've, everything is doom and it's awful and I hate everybody. And then the next day it was sunny and I was like, I want to ride my skateboard. Like <laughs> sure. it's just everything had sure. changed. The only thing that was different was the sun. Sure. And so I know that there's a chemical element and this is like you say it's a North thing and it's provable, totally. right? When when it's dark for two weeks in Alaska, the suicide rates skyrocket. Suicide rates are higher in Northern states, in states that are cloudy all the time. Sun makes a difference. Sure. And so I, I think it's got to be somewhere in between. Yeah, but isn't that it? Because you can interpret that that finding both ways, right? Both to say the environment is totally in control or um, we got to figure out a way to deal with the fact that it's going to be dark for two weeks every year. Like... Uh, a an empirical finding does not dictate one interpretation or the other. Mm-hmm. But, I guess is one way to say it. But the personal finding was that like nothing in my worldview or outlook or attitude had changed. Sure, it exactly. was simply a feeling of yeah. doom that came with the clouds. The change of the weather. Sure. Yeah. Um, th- this is helpful. This is good. Uh, I guess I you know as as with all things uh, I should preface that nothing here is medical advice and uh, <laughs> listen to your doctor or yeah, again we're we're talking about ideas here so you know don't again please do listen to your doctor, whatever. Okay. Um, and, uh, we're not going to end in a place where we're like totally opposed to counseling, therapy, psychiatry, any of those things. I mean, clearly not like you go, you know, this is part of your profession. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, though maybe at some point as we go through this, I wonder how helpful the idea of counseling is to the work of, um, pastoring was the word you used yeah, last time. Yeah. Um, and again, the, the, the title itself is pastoral theology in the classical tradition not counseling in the mm-hmm. um, classical uh, tradition. And I think that, I don't know if we'll come back to that word, but um, 
yeah, so there are probably some problems that are embedded there. Um, okay, so that, yes, that gives us kind of a starting place for this. Um, I mean, uh, n- neither of you all made this, I guess, Graham, in your recap, you, you said this. This was also at the end of last time's ep- episode. Your questioning was along the lines of whether uh, therapy is essentially a new religion. It's a new set of theological beliefs to help in the um, conquering of certain issues. I mean, that's one way you could characterize it. I think the way that I personally characterize it is it's not a new religion, but human. Be- this is a thing that human beings do, and we are going to continue to do it even when we've divorced ourselves from God. Maybe I should just call it it's religious work no matter what. That's, I think that's and, a better and, way to say it. And, it is religious work. Yes. So in that sense, it's sort of secular religious yes. work. Yes. Uh, and I didn't. I, I looked a little into this and didn't really find anything. If I were to ask you what the Greek or Roman tradition of like uh, pastoral again, pastoral is not a good word, but like the Greek or Roman tradition of counseling. Like, do you is there I any don't know. point of reference I, we would I get for that? Um, um, like man up. Like like wouldn't it? Well, no. I mean, you would do. The, the, then you you get into there's there's astrology that gets in there, so the the, the planets have effects on you. Sure. Uh, augury, you sure. know, like cutting up birds and see what they say to you. Sure. And probably um, d- uh, divining from from trees. I feel like there's also like a, you know, a a psychological smoothing effect that those things also have, mm-hmm. or um, that you know those things are are um, they have a place in sort of the. Yeah, people want, you know, if anxiety comes from not wanting to know the future, well, then you've got this this place of, of that kind of thing. But I, I, I don't know. There's also a lot of, I mean, it depends on what ancient world you're talking about. Like, sure. the, there's a lot of physical activity for most of Greek history. Like, you'd had the gymnasium. Part of your day was to go and stretch and run and play sports yes. and do it publicly. And so it helped with feelings of isolation and it helped with, you know, a lot of depression that comes from, you know, lack of physical activity and endorphins sure. and there that was a physic that i've seen talked about several times right if you're if you're feeling sad and and you're, you have lots of pains and like sitting around isn't going to help you you have to go and work out sure i guess that's the um like if you have an excess or deficiency of any of the humors it's like you're actually supposed to go do something about it yeah mm-hmm. so so at some level aj i find it interesting and helpful that the first thing you point to of like what did an old form of counseling look like it was the body it wasn't just a talk through things mm-hmm. it wasn't only a talk therapy i mean there's also uh, i'm thinking of the scripture where it's like and also take a little wine for your stomach it makes the heart merry right sure, if you're right. if you're feeling bad have a little wine yeah uh i like that and and we haven't brought it up but probably even the sacrificial system um mm-hmm. for um greece and rome and probably also for um in the jewish tradition um like there's some sort of um psychological aspect to that too of the release of certain things that you're holding on to the feeling that it's been paid for and that you can move on past. Mm-hmm. We try and accomplish counseling in a different way, but it's, it's a similar goal to uh, Graham. You said at some point you're going to talk about scapegoats and stuff like that, but yeah. And it's also the other thing is like, that's not just true of a human person, but yep. it's true of a society yep. that sort of bad things can kind of build up. Yeah. And then at some point, those that buildup of bad things, either in an individual life or a social life, needs to be discharged in some way. And this is also plays into the idea of actually, I sort of tongue in cheek was talking about bloodletting, mm-hmm. but this is also the belief that they had in the ancient world. It's like you've got this sort of negative thing, like you got these, for lack of a better term, toxins that have built up in the blood. And so if we let the blood um, 
it'll get all the bad stuff out and then you'll make more, make more better blood. So you're talking about starting a purge. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, that no, movie the purge. Bad, no, you want to start like social social tensions build no, up. You got to let Renee those already talks about this. Oh, we will talk about this later. Yeah. Um. Let me uh, <laughs> let me move it on from here. Uh, so just in the idea of um, psychology and counseling being religious work um, you can pick your point of reference for this. I think Freud is an easy way, an easy thing to point to the idea that man is made up of, um, id, ego, superego, that they're made up of it is instinct. Ego is this like how things actually are. And superego is how you should act. It's like morality. Um, so like that's a religious view of a person. It's a spiritual view of what is inside the person. Gosh, that sounds a lot like the tripartite. Tripartite sure it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I'll, not religious, Thomas. It's psychology. Yeah, let me let me trace this and, and see if we can, because um, that's uh, you making that tongue in cheek joke actually that is perfect. Psychology is religious work yes. without God. Yes, yeah, there it is. Um, this is um, Irvin Yalom. I referenced him last time. Um, he's a um, I pulled up his page just so I'd actually describe him correctly. An American existential psychiatrist, uh, a professor of psychiatry at Stanford as well. He's uh, I believe he's still in active uh, practice. He's eighty nine years old, but he's a uh, he's been at it for a long time. This is from the prologue to his book, Love's Executioner, which I did reference last episode, but want to actually do justice to. Um, I have found that four givens are particularly relevant to psychotherapy. The inevitability of death for each of us and for those we love, the freedom to make our lives as we will, our ultimate aloneness, and finally, the absence of any obvious meaning or sense to life. So again, the four givens that are the job of the therapist to teach to the counselee, to the, um, to the patient. I found that four givens are particularly relevant to psychotherapy, the inevitability of death for each of us. And for those we love, that's the first one Two, the freedom to make our lives as we will three, our ultimate aloneness. And four, finally, the absence of any obvious meaning or sense to life. Uh, bummer. Yeah. Do you the want? last one is a bummer. And uh, I disagree with, do you want to say any more than that? Um, just that, um, um, how do you practically sort of work through that in, in a, in like, uh, if that really is your base case and it's like, Hey kid, let me let you in on a little secret. Nothing means anything, but I'm going to, you got to go make healthy choices. It's like, how can you, how can you square that circle? Uh, weirdly enough, I find that pieces of that are really liberating yeah oh the memento mori is very liberating sure. inevitability yeah. of death right? yes yeah. you're you're gonna die yeah and nothing matters yeah. and so you can make your life how you want now this doesn't necessarily lead to healthful choices it can lead to all sorts of it, it leads to direct fulfillment of your own desires and direction right and if those directions happen to be towards your own healthfulness then great but it doesn't matter in the end anyway so who cares but this is, but this is raskolnikov yeah. But I think, no, but he, this guy, he's, he's even smarter than all that. Um, I'll read, this is just from the first paragraph. So he, so just, uh, so he gives those four and then he himself says, however grim these givens may seem, they contain the seeds of wisdom and redemption. And I hope to demonstrate in these 10 tales of psychotherapy, how that's possible. This is the opening to the first chapter also called love's executioner. I do not like to work with patients who are in love. Perhaps it is because of envy. I too crave enchantment. Perhaps it is because love and psychotherapy are fundamentally incompatible. The good therapist fights darkness and seeks illumination while romantic love is sustained by mystery and crumbles upon inspection. I hate to be love's executioner. So even he, he's trying to redirect desire ultimately. Like, uh, again, in a weird way, there's like a lot of wisdom in this. I disagree with his phrasing of it, but like, yeah, some, uh, the, this first story is about someone who thinks she loves someone who I think she's never met is the story. 
Um, and she's just obsessed with this guy. And ultimately, she that love needs to die. It's not Correct. real. Is that, um, so there's something like helpful and healthy in killing love in that case, right? But why? Why is it helpful? Why is it meaningful to do that? Uh, because she's miserable? Yeah, but this is my point. It's like, how is that not a, a foundational, th- meaningful statement? If, he's, if he says, ultimately, there's no meaning. Your point is that he is still resting on the assumptions of what C.S. Lewis calls the Tao, right? Yep. There is still yes. the notion that obsession and unhappy and like being unhappy because you are obsessed with something and the rest of your life is suffering. There is still a reason to get rid of that because it is better to not live in obsession with a ridiculous. Yeah. I think notion it's. Of I love. just think it's incredibly lazy to say something like ultimately everything is meaningless. Yeah, and you should live your life differently. And you should live your life. So yeah. it's like no, no, no. Um, like you can't, you can't say that and then, and then have me have a framework of agreement. Well, usually the, the framework right? is like that person would probably prefer to not be in love with someone she doesn't yes. know and see her relationship suffer. So yes. it's simply a, what she prefers to happen. If she prefers to be obsessed and really enjoys that and she's finding total fulfillment in it, then why not? But then she also wouldn't go to a psychotherapist. Right. Like she exactly. sees there's a problem. So again, the second point is. We'll move on from this. In a How second. can a psychotherapist say there's a better way of existing if that's his he's fourth not. point? He's not. This is a great. So the point I'll just read the freedom to make our lives as we will. It's the job of the um, patient to say, I want my life to be different and to realize I have the tools to make it different. Again, I'm just describing this worldview. I'm not I'm not sure. trying to agree with it. This isn't the book. This isn't the Christian book they had to read for your counseling this job. Is, well, it's, it is not a Christian book. I did have to read it for as a part of the class. This is a, uh, um, I'm referencing, I guess, two books from the program. Um, and just uh, in case anyone's curious, the point of reading this book wasn't just to tear the whole thing down. The no, point, sure. The point was to see that like there are ways that we talk about our faith that actually aren't helpful, and there are ways that he talks about despair that are helpful. Like it's it's an uncomfortable book to read from that perspective. He all ten books are all ten stories in this book are success stories. What were the four things again? You're going to die, and everyone else is going to die. Inevitability of death. You have the power to be able to change these sorts of Freedom things. We're going to make our lives as we will. Ultimate aloneness. Ultimate aloneness. The ultimate aloneness. The absence of any obvious meaning or sense to life. Yeah. So then, I mean, so then I would assume that a a read that to a medieval person, and those Thank last you. two points make, would be would no be sense. bones sure. to pick with. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's even take it further than that. What, uh, Graham, you've already kind of given this answer. Sorry. What is the problem that he's addressing with these four truths? What What is the presenting problem that so, someone would have coming to the yes. counselor? Um, the, pr- the presenting problem is that they are placing, the, they would be placing their heart's affection into something that is ultimately not going to satisfy them. What would them? they say the problem is? You're, you're oh, getting to like what's um, the actual problem. Oh, I'm but, sorry. No, you're fine. You're being deep and <laughs> profound. Uh, but like, they, they would say the problem is like, I love this guy and this guy doesn't love me back or whatever. Yeah. If I took it to even a higher level is to say, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. This is this is the I am an unhappy person. Yes, this is, and I've come to you just to try to like figure it out. And I want to feel better. Yeah. So again, problem. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. Solution. I need to feel better. That I mean. Uh, and when we do this, uh, someone told me I should go to counseling. Yes, exactly. And they said it really helped them, so help me. Yes. And yep. uh, again, my experience in like actually doing this work uh, is is limited, but from talking with others who have done this, this is what people come in saying. This is the first session repeated over and over again. I'm not happy. I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you all have talked with students where this is the thing where they think I'm not happy. Therefore, something must be wrong. Therefore, I need to go to counseling. And then it goes into this. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Graham, you're um, pushing this in the right direction. I don't think so. I think the the methods of counseling we have now match the problem and solution that we're looking for, but um, historically wouldn't make sense as presenting problems and um 
yeah, it wouldn't make sense as like the thing a person would come to looking, come to someone looking for advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to dive into that, I guess, is the way to take this. Um, let's just maybe in thinking about like different the problems of anxiety, let's compare that to a, a, an exchange that I love from a book called the hammer of God. Has everyone, anyone read this book? Nope. Heck of a title though, isn't it? Yep. Um, it's by, sounds like a Rene Girard book with that kind of title. <laughs> no, it's didn't uh, I do that on my last episode. Wasn't that like God. A, both of mine were about <laughs> the hammer of God fell Thor. from heaven. No, that was, what's the name of the book? Thor. Oh, you talk. Oh yeah. Sorry. This is actually about uh, Thor, like the actual hammer of God Mjolnir, the sequel mm. to the poetic Eddas. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, the hammer of God is a novel. It's a story of three generations of pastors in, what is the country? It's like Norway or Sweden, or I'm going to embarrass myself. Someone's got Sweden. Um, so compare those four truths. They're depressing. I won't say them again to this exchange. This is a pastor talking to his congregants. Um, they start asking, so, you know, there's a church service and then afterward there's like the new, we would call it the new member meeting. This is like 300 years ago. So I don't know what they would call it. Uh, ye old new, neweth member <laughs> meeting. Um, the, uh, people start asking questions. Uh, the questions began to come more and more freely. A daughter from a neighboring farm family dared to ask about what was troubling her. How shall one know for sure that one is called by the spirit of God? Savonius thought for a moment after leaving through the register of names to identify the questioner. He answered, Christina, Jon's daughter, your name is listed among the baptized. You are called by God himself. You need never doubt that. But if one does not feel anything, then God feels so much more deeply. Uh, should I read it again? Was that, I'm trying to compare these two of um, one approach to counseling is to show the like bleak nature of the universe. Nothing means anything. Death is coming for all of us as opposed to incorporating a more positive view. Yes. So, I mean, I, this has always been, and it's not just like that. Those are the only two options. Like even what we were talking about earlier, like it has always bothered me when a psycho that psychologists clearly have different worldviews and one, someone is more of a like materialist and it's like, it's a hundred percent of brain chemistry thing. So we just got to get you on the right drugs. And another one is you just got to embrace the darkness kid. Like no one loves you. Right. Um, and then you've got someone who, who says, um, what this pastor is saying, which is your name is in the book of life. There, your name is in the book of life. There is a, oh, there is a created be... hierarchy and there's a place for you to fit into it. And what you have to do is like yeah. submit yourself to that created hierarchy sorry can i be even more specific he's saying that you know uh, you are baptized that's the that's the yeah. list he's going through mm-hmm. um so it's 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 not just a an internal how do you feel mm-hmm. let's find ways to make you feel better it's an external thing that's already happened to mm-hmm. point to and, and again yeah uh, this is just this guy's view sure. on baptism but just to say he's applying a theological truth in a moment of anxiety to address but let's girl's. go back to that person uh, who you were talking about at the beginning of that book that said i love this guy and i find all of my identity in that person yep. And the, 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 the psychologist should say, doing that's not going to make you happy. And if that person can get to that point where they're like, you're right, doing this is not going to make me happy. Yep. What is going to make me happy? Now you've got like, the, this, this is, this is the, the tipping point question, yep. because now the person in that first book will say, um, getting to the place where you can embrace the fact that there's no meaning and you have the freedom to create your own meaning. That yes. would be the like sort of the, ne- existentialist the Nietzschean answer. existentialist yep. answer. Right. And then the pastoral answer is you are baptized. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's almost the pastoral answer is you're asking the wrong question in the first place. Yeah. You're, you're, 
the, the problem you're seeking to address is the wrong problem in the first place. And so we have to just remove that. It, I could wait. What both the problem they're asked, they're saying is I, so do, let me, so mm. let me just in my way of interpreting this, her question or the presenting question, what she says is how shall one know for sure what, uh, that one is called by the spirit of God? Mm-hmm. So like the question, how do is, I know that I'm good? That, yeah. How do I know that I'm, that I'm safe or saved or, or it's an anxiety question? Yeah. It's, it's a, a question of anxiety. I fear for whether my salvation is secure or not. One way to address this oh. or is, or is also like or for my in the or quiet friend. times when I'm away from everybody and I'm sitting in bed looking at the darkness, I wonder if this is even a thing. Sure. And there are lots of ways to answer that question. Among them would be to try and make her feel better. Um, you know, you know, right now that you believe you have a certainty right now. Um, or, I mean, the, the psychoanalyst response would be none of this is true anyway. Like, there's, mm-hmm. you know, death is coming for you anyway. So you know, throw off the chains of this anxiety and just like leave the whole project. Um, there are lots of avenues for what to do with that question. Um, the answer comes back as a piece of theology, I guess is the, the, the only, the, the only thing I'm trying to, to point to with these. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess let me push even further to, um, these are more, both of these are like newer, more modern examples. I want to point to this as like a historical tradition of how, um, counseling has been done and I, again, as all, whenever I go through an episode, I just think of things I should have said at the beginning. I think there's a, an important difference between counseling and therapy, just using those words, um, in that counseling is giving counsel. Is that an obvious thing that you all maybe thought all along the way? No. Okay. Can you, so then what would therapy be? Uh, to make one feel better about a situation. I'm, I'm overstating it and mm. making it sound more negative than I mean for it to. But um, So counseling could also have a like take it or leave it aspect and yes. therapy has a like i'm rehab gonna keep yes. throwing I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try all these different tactics to actually see what works yes yeah um yeah and yes i would i think those are fair i just want to make sure i'm using my terms clearly okay. as, I, as i continue to go through this so i to which i would say the ancient tradition is counsel counsel is being given in the face of despair fear anxiety whatever mm-hmm. um but it is uh, they are truths that are being presented. It is not about you feeling better about certain things. Is that mm-hmm. okay? That's the way I would put that. Okay. So now to like, uh, this has been, this is helpful as set up for all this, for the rest of what we'll do um, right now. So um, the, our book for the day, again, pastoral theology and the classical tradition will also uh, address some of the same ideas we've been talking about. Um, they raise this question of the different goals of counseling mm-hmm. in the modern context versus the older one. Um, a relatively comfortable synthesis results in which pastoral theology and consequently pastoral practice in the church have become concerned largely with questions of meaning rather than truth, acceptable functioning rather than discipleship and a concern for self-actualization and self-realization <laughs> rather than salvation. Um, and this is again, where that term therapy is probably helpful to just have as a contrast to counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you all have ever heard the modern church context context called therapeutic, I think that's the, idea that people are getting at the goal is to make people feel better is this mm-hmm. fair any pushback disagreement so far that is i think that's so council's goal is not to make people feel better uh mm, it's to get them through something uh which might not necessarily be the same as feeling better the goal is not the feeling uh is maybe the is maybe one way to put that the to say i don't feel happy is not a failure the counselor might be like fine yeah that's okay that can be okay uh yeah can be Okay. You're going to push back? Disagree with me. No. no I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to understand the difference, and I'm wondering where 
that line is drawn because it's it seems like different hierarchies of wisdom here if i'm putting someone through therapy to make them feel better when in, in all truth they should feel terrible mm-hmm. isn't that just worse wisdom than giving them counsel like right therapy makes no sense if my goal is to make you feel better and really you should feel terrible yes right yeah, like true. that's that is silliness yeah right i forget what um uh if you take uh when you get a fever, you can take, is it Advil? And that like lowers the fever? Is that what you... Uh, aspirin. Aspirin. You take aspirin and it lowers the fever. But if you do that, the fever lasts longer. The purpose of the fever is to get something out of your body. Correct. And so if you reduce the fever, you lengthen the time that you have the disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what you're saying. So this, it's like symptoms and causes. Yes. So like if my... So for I'll give you an example. So my uh, melon plants yeah. have a bunch of aphids mm-hmm. on, the, on the bottom of them. And I can spend all this time... Um, like scraping off the aphids, mm-hmm. they're just gonna come back. Or I That's can therapy. Spe- or I can spend more. Yeah, it's therapy. Or I can spend more time like having a healthy soil, so that I will because because plants have a natural way of making sure that they don't get overrun yeah. by aphids. But when a plant is unhealthy, disease is gonna set in. Yes. So there's this this kind of sense that, um, and then there's not really like there's. There maybe are different schools of thought on how to make soil healthy, but ultimately there's really only one kind of healthy soil. There's yeah. different ways to get healthy soil. There's only one kind of healthy soil. Yeah. And so if the ancient idea of the body is, is that there's only one kind of healthy body and all sorts of different diseases, I think they would also say there's only one kind of healthy soil, soul, one kind of healthy soul, and a bunch of different ways for your soul to be, to be sick. Yes, I, I like that, which would then point to then the purpose of counsel to get those, um, there are true thoughts that one should believe, mm-hmm. and then that can orient and make sure, well, then what is my life supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. To come in and say, I want to be happy is to say the goal of life is to be happy. Is that like it's embedded into the question in the first place? And that has to be, you have to ask that before you can. Happiness get, will come later. Yeah, sure. Like happiness is a, is a byproduct of the, yeah. of, of fixing, of getting the soul right. Yeah. So let's going through. Let's start going through a couple of these people and see how many we can get to today. The um, uh, the book covers five. I think we'll probably get to two or three of them. Um, the first uh, character. They're not characters. They're like real human people. Um, is Gregory of Nazianzus. Nazianzus. Not, I hate pronouncing things on a podcast with lots of people listening. Hi there. Uh, the, uh, I can a, hear the email. Take it again. <laughs> um, a, you know, the Zionsonness. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, not even close. My favorite thing about this is y- y'all ever use with the Kindle app, you can have it read to you with the accessibility options. Have you what? ever done this before? Oh, awesome. My Kindle doesn't even have speakers. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. On, if you have the Kindle app on your phone, you can use the like oh. iPhone's text to, to speech thing and it will read to you. Got it. Okay. Anyway, I really, it, I'd read real books. I, I'd read Kindle books. Anyway, um, read Kindle books. Uh, but the way they pronounce this is Nazi on this, like Uh-oh. because it's the word N-A-Z-I. It's very funny every time Ooh. it happens. So anyway, that is, anyway, that was probably a bad non sequitur for him. Uh, well, our podcast just got flagged. It's okay. We already have one explicit <laughs> episode. Do you know this? It's for, it's AJ's on uh, wife of bath back with Canterbury tales. That one got marked as explicit. It's yeah, just very funny. We have an explicit, I mean, it's just not like we talk about a lot. Of, we talk funny? a lot about sexy, uh, sexy things. <sighs> yeah. I feel like, are we rebels now? I don't even know. I okay, mean, just, we still have a job? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, is Gregory of Nazianzus someone that you all have any familiarity with? Probably only because I confuse him with Nyssa, the Gregory of Nyssa. Is he... Uh, he was the Pope. So then Wasn't not he? him, if that's... Is uh, he Gregory the Great? Gregory the Great will come later, actually. Oh, man. You know what? If we get to him. I know. I, I'm going to... Yeah. <laughs> clearly, I have displayed my ignorance. I don't think, he, I don't think he's Gregory Souls. the Great. I think he's different. There are multiple... Why are there so many Gregories, guys? <laughs> 
Um, Praise the sun. What? Nothing. Praise the. Oh, <laughs> we're doing Dark Souls, right? Is there a Gregory in Dark Souls? I said I think I thought Gregory Nanziazis was a character in Dark Souls. Okay, it, they all kind of sound like that, right? They do. Um, okay, so uh, there are many things about his life we could go into. This isn't about his um, biography, so sorry. But uh, he lived in the fourth century. Um, he would um, eventually become Archbishop of Constantinople, so he was a big deal uh, uh, dude. He did not want to be in church office. Uh, he des- he describes this like tension between the mountain. Oh, what was it? Um, the mountain and the throne, I think is what it was of. He wanted to be a monk and live on his own, but he kept being called back to come and do church stuff, um, which probably like bodes well for him. Right. He like didn't desire power or anything like that. Um, he um, some of his ideas will eventually be incorporated by Gregory the Great. That's why he's kind of started with um, in this book as the first person. Um, each chapter of the book is to go through the th- their pastoral theology. Um, so again, I keep reading this; it's depressing. I apologize. Compare compare these two lists: the four givens of Irvin Yalom from the beginning, inevitability of death, freedom to make our lives as we will, ultimate aloneness absence of any obvious meaning to our lives compared to the themes in Gregory um, Gregory's work. Um, theologians and pastors have a special calling that they should take seriously um, in, in seeking uh, to be ordained uh, in the context of working with people. The one of the most important context is theosis or divinization becoming like God. Um, the doctrine of the Trinity uh, shows us how we are supposed to relate to one another uh, Christ is both fully human and divine, and um, he has statements on human nature that we won't actually go into today. Sorry. What what is what differences do you see between those two lists? Um, special calling of the pastor, theosis. So trinity. Like the first. I mean, there's a, there's a conflict in in cosmos. Mm-hmm. So there's a cosmo cosmological conflict. So the first one is is sort of your sort of modern existentialist, how do we make the most out of a bad situation kind of thing? How do we live in a meaningless universe? And the second one is, okay, because we all believe that the cosmos is like this, here's what a pastor needs to be. Yes, exactly. And then, so then it's all, um, so then the emphasis is on the, is on the, you know, yeah, the pastor. And then um, there's a, um, we are all doing the same work of the soul. Yes. And the pastor's job is to um, help people who are not as well, not doing as well as that, as you are. Yes. Um, I think back to Canterbury Tales, where the the priest, uh, the little simple parish priest, has a little saying that he lives by, which is, um, "If gold shall rust, what shall iron do?" And the idea being like, if I'm not living a good moral life seeking out the Lord, right. how can I ask my congregants to be good moral, upstanding people seeking the Lord? Sure. I like that. Uh, so it's more like a it's it's a positive view. Um, uh, it's not tearing down all the like meaning around you. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I was just thinking this while you were responding. There's something unifying in it too. Yes. That instead of it being my atomized desires, my go build it for yourself, man. Yes, um, it's we're all supposed to be like this. We are all growing together in this type of holiness. We are all in this trinitarian. Uh, we're brought into this through Christ, this Trinitarian life. Like all these things are are unifying. They're things that are simply true, not simply true for me. I yeah. Guess like how can so there's one of the definitions of diabolical is that everything's been pulled apart right. and yeah. pulled into pieces. Yeah. So how can you believe like 
you know, a Nike ad that says we're all in this together and then have a therapist who says, like, you need to accept the fact that you are eternally alone. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be, this isn't going to be a happy, a happy thing <laughs> nope. for me if we're going to have these sort of competing messages. Um, anyway, so yeah, there, yeah, there's, there's, there is a, there's a, a cosmological unity in what you're in Gregory's sure. piece. But true. then the pushback is like, well, that's just because he believes in this like Christianity thing. <laughs> yeah. And so then, and so then being part of a, being part of a dogmatic group is, um, the only reason people are part of dark dogmatic groups is because they're psychologically calming. But it's the real, like, the real people who can accept reality are the ones that realize that, you know, there's just the big black emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, there's, I don't know the right way to, I'll, I'll start talking, which is all I ever do. And then you can correct my ramblings. N.T. Wright, I think, is um, somewhat famous for his um, popularizing of an idea called Christus Victor. Mm-hmm. We're like, sorry, we're super like, anyway, these are like super Christian topics for today. But the idea is that the way of framing the gospel isn't around your individual salvation, but it's the statement that Christ has won victory, Christ mm-hmm. is victor, um, and that um, Christ is king that the kingdom has been established. This is Mark one. We covered that. We did this in leadership a few weeks ago that, um, the message that he starts with is, um, the time is at hand, repent, the kingdom of God, um, is revealed. These aren't statements of you should believe this thing. These are statements of, of objective truth. Mm -hmm. Christ is Lord of the earth. He is in charge of all things. So this, it's just a response back to say, obviously we're, ultimately making competing claims, but this isn't just a, I do this because it feel, feels good. It's an objective statement has been made about the nature of reality. That's what is being responded to. Mm-hmm. And then that's why theology matters in this case. You're giving, you're, you're not telling someone to feel better because feelings change. You're giving them the queen of the sciences, theology. You're mm-hmm. giving them the, the best of thought that, that there is to offer thoughts about the best of things, God, right? So it's a different, yeah, a different tool that you're using. Is that a fair response? So then how do you, what's, how do then when you have someone who grew up in the church and, you know, it's a good little Protestant who's gone to church and, and Sunday school and small group their whole life. And then they come into a Christian counseling office and they say, I feel bad. I want to feel better. Yeah. Is that the answer? Uh, repent for the kingdom of hand, uh, kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. I mean, it's always the answer, but it shouldn't be, should not be phrased that way. Because mm-hmm. uh, even your Why question not? presupposes mm-hmm. that like, you've bought into Christian counseling as a method. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot baked into that. AJ, I, you're about to jump onto something. <laughs> you can see it coming, huh? I just, I heard you breathe. So I knew. Uh, so I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm talking about really un- elementary stuff here, but all of this has just reminded me of a conversation I had with my ninth graders. I think it was my ninth graders about what the nature of wisdom is. Mm-hmm. I had a quote on the board that said like, if you are wise, you'll be happy. And all, all saints were happy people. Right. And they're like, oh, I don't know if that's true. I, I directly disagree with it. And I contended that if you are a wise person or true wisdom should bring you happiness, happiness should be one of the byproducts. And not maybe not consistent all the time. If we're talking like low level, I just feel cheerful. Mm. But I mean like deep lasting joy should be an outcropping of true wisdom. And then we got talking about, okay, well then what is wisdom? What is the wise person? And I think it's someone who has a correct and accurate view of the world around them. 
And so if I'm a Christian, I believe that that correct view involves the Godhead, right? And that this world is created to be a certain thing. And that is why, like, a truly wise person, if they acknowledge the Godhead, even in times of sorrow, can rest on God's sovereignty, God's promise of future redemption. Like, there are things that will turn us back to happiness. Whereas if I do not believe in those things, I would contend that you do not have a correct view of the world, right? You, You are lacking in wisdom and that you do not recognize the Godhead. And then you you remain in that sorrow because there is no truth for you to fall back on. So this person who enters into your thing and has been a good little Protestant Christian all their lives, I would begin to ask about their view of the world. Something in it, something in their view of themselves, in the world around them is lacking. And that might be that they deserve to have a good marriage because they've been promised it from every little you know movie they've ever seen since they were tiny that love will conquer all. Mm-hmm. And so I have to absolve them of that and say, listen, sometimes love is really hard. And that is the true view of the world. But God is redemptive and has plans for marriage. And I can, I can point them back to truths. And and that's what, like, I, I can't help but think about your difference between counseling and therapy, right? Therapy is that same kind of process, but with the assumption that the ultimate view, the ultimate goal of man is happiness, to feel better, yes. right? Whereas counseling would say, well, if you have are continuously like still living through, say, a genocide, feeling better isn't really appropriate at this Correct. point, yes. right? So you should feel terrible. Yes. But if, uh, if I'm being true about our station, I would say, yes, perhaps you are living through something terrible, but you can also rest on, as terrible as it seems, God's sovereignty through all of this and, and rest knowing that, right, center, center it on Christ and future redemption and the conquering of death altogether and then appropriately locate death in the human life. Yes, death is going to happen. But as Socrates points out, we have no knowledge of what death is like. And so we don't know if it's a good change or a bad change. And so they might be lamenting death, but in all in all honesty, maybe it's a good thing, right? So yeah. there, there are ways to reorient their... I, I can't help but think that all of this is a process to solve ignorance. Ignorance is the problem. And ignorance not as it applies to like social matters, but... If wisdom is the thing that will bring you true happiness because you have a right view of the world, then the whole process of counseling theology or counseling therapy, theology, all of it is to solve ignorance. And so what I would do if someone walked into my office is find out where that ignorance lies. Do they expect that everyone is going to be good all the time? Do they are they having trouble with their parents and they have a wrong view about how their parents feel toward them or a wrong view about how God feels towards them or how much their feelings matter, right? There's got to be somewhere where everything's out of whack. Is ignorance only a matter of knowledge? Is there such a thing as emotional ignorance or any other type of? Uh, I w- yeah, I would say that maybe emotional ignorance is part of like they are having a certain emotion that isn't in tune with what the world is really doing. And okay. so they are misunderstanding something about their surroundings. So your guy in your first book, I think he's right in saying... An important step that people need to make is they need to accept the way that things are. Yes. yes. If you lie to yourself, yeah, it's gonna you're gonna cause a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So you need to accept the way that things are, but what he thinks the way things are is is wrong. And so I would Correct. say he is an unwise counselor because he is trying to align people's broken ignorance with more ignorance, and that is what is causing problems. If I have someone sad come in and I tell them, guess what, you're gonna die someday and you're alone, I'm not sure that's gonna help. Mm-hmm. So he's giving them. He's, Which to be so, fair, he does help them. Like that's the, the, the point of the book is, is to prove that there are good outcomes. You would push back and say, yeah, but they're eternal beings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, like no, no, to no. what end? Like, but he's them? giving people yeah. coping tactics. Yeah. As opposed to like what Gregory of 
Nazarazimus or whatever. Um, He's he's not giving them coping tactics. He's giving them, he's, he's like inviting them into the story of what's happening. Yes. Whereas this guy is saying like, um, the story, I don't know if that, you know, that's just a Christian story. What actually is there is like bleak, black, dark nothingness. So here is a, here is a tactic for you to be able to like make it through. It reminds me of, uh. Of, I had this I had this car and it had run out of my, my the battery had died and I had a neighbor who's like hey you could pour in wine in that battery and get another two weeks out of it and I feel like that's a particular mm. kind of counseling mm-hmm. where I can cope with a busted battery by yeah. pouring wine into my engine yeah. at whatever cost sure. mm-hmm. and feel better for a little while but mm-hmm. it's not the true state of my battery which sure. is like dead even Marcus Aurelius po- had to posit a divi- a divine presence yes. that was fully good yes. In order for Stoicism to, to like function as yep. a as a philosophy, yeah. sure. Uh, and I, I didn't. Uh, this, this is not like a specific part of the research before this, but again, like the the. Um, let me actually I, I, let me take it in this direction. Um, this is from the beginning. I think it ties together what you all are saying. Um, my conviction is that the basic reconstitutive task for pastoral theology today is to establish once again the fundamental connection between the Christian doctrines of God, redemption, and hope and the pastoral ministry of the church. To my mind, reestablishing this connection is the single most important conclusion that can come from the study of classical texts and pastoral theology. Why does Gregory of Nazianzus insert a section on the doctrine of the Trinity in the middle of a treatise on pastoral care? Why does John Chrysostom go to great lengths to try to avoid ordination? Why is Gregory the Great so concerned with the spirituality of the pastor? And that's the the thing that you all are pointing to. I I like this idea of, of ignorance being the thing addressed. So there are truths that, um, Dr. Yalom is pointing to um, that people need to learn. Your loves are wrong and misguided, but there are additional truths that he is not pointing to. And that's what Bogert's hammer of God is trying to point to. There is, there is actually an enchanted world around you. There's more going on around you than you even realize. And the pastor's job is to show someone that, mm-hmm. right. To show them the things that can't be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Um, we'll um, mm, let me just to wrap up on uh, our uh, Nazianzus guy, um, uh, he has this idea of the physician of souls. Uh, the, the pastor's job is to be the physician of souls. Um, just the only thing to say there is that I think now we would point to a psychiatrist as like kind of the peak of what, uh, the peak of being able to address problems of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, the psychiatrist has gone through medical school. They're able to, um, give medicine. They're able to give, to make prescriptions. So like, it's really, anyway, they get this authority through their ability to help the body. Correct? Oh, I can't talk to you about this. I just have what? an MDiv, right? Oh, like, sure, sure. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, but <laughs> You I, should go to somebody who's like yeah. trained in this. Yeah. Well, he's it, saying the MDiv should be, this yeah. is what the MDiv is, um, the master it, of divinity is. Yeah. To, to read from here, in the context of the now rather famous idea of pastoral care as the art of arts, Gregory draws a parallel between the physician of souls and those who treat the elements of the body, giving readers a metaphor for pastoral work. According to Gregory, the pastor is a healer even more so than the physician, for the pastor treats a sickness that is deeply that is a deeply subtle foe of healing, a sickness of soul. Um, his argument is that the the counselor um, is the pastor. It, again, it's the way he would talk about that is doing more difficult work than the doctor who's dealing just with the body. I feel like the English teacher has a sim- has that a pastoral role in that as well. Yeah, wherein you are sh- like in a book, if you if you are showing the truth of that book and then revealing to the student what it means to be a human person. And, and from there, um, so the student can rightly consider what they are as a creature. Yep. 
that is something that is, that's like the groundwork needed for happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have two jobs, right? Job one is the job you're talking about. And that's addressed with my quote of the day. And then job two is writing lab where I teach them the mechanics of writing. Yeah. Right. So I do, I teach them how, like the truth of the world and then how to correctly express that truth. Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, we won't have time for uh, fully delving into our second character of these five. Um, John Chrysostom is this second fellow. The silver tongue? Uh, I think it's gold, but... Um, you, so, you know that... So, Chrysostom, that's not actually his oh, last must, name. Do you must know have this? leveled up. <laughs> I thought it was... Anyway, <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a good tongue is what I'm trying to say. Um, do you all know this wasn't actually his uh, his real name? Really? Golden-mouthed is what that mm-hmm. is. So, so, his last name has been, like, lost to antiquity, and oh. so Chrysostom is, like, a title. Like, it's just... He's John... He's Golden-mouthed John. That's what John Chrysostom <laughs> means. Um, he, um, uh, early church father, he also was archbishop of Constantinople after, after, um, Gregory of Nazianzus. Wait, Istanbul? Uh, what? Constant? Yes. Isn't that Const- <laughs> Byzantium? Oh, this is that same joke from before. I still have, isn't this, is this a song? I still don't know what this is a reference to. Um, even old New York was once New Amsterdam. I, you Why they changed it? I can't say. Hi listeners. This has been fun. Um, uh, I'll just say this one yeah, there's not enough time to, to dive into the rest of these, so I'll just say, um, AJ, this lines up perfectly with what you were saying. One of his core ideas, he, um, John hated um, allegorical readings of the Bible. He thought that it was opposed to, like, the clear meaning of what is in the Bible. Um, again, to say... Yeah, him and Origen, not buddies. Yes, exactly. Um, so he fell into... He agreed with Antioch over Alexandria. That's a thing I wrote down. So if that's useful for you... He has a really great sermon where he talks about um, parents who are really worried about their kids and getting into the right kinds of schools. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does he just make fun of them? He just tears them apart. Good, as yeah. he should. Um, the, the only thing I'll say, this was the only point I wanted to say for him, and it lines up, AJ, exactly with what you're saying. Um, his view was that only sound teaching can heal sickness of soul. Only sound teaching can heal sickness of soul. The reason that people have problems, the reason that there is this despair, name your vice, is that they... Um, they, they have not received or have not accepted sound teaching. Um, so I think you'd be on board with this. I, I like this idea. I like calling it ignorance as the problem being dealt with through all this. I mean, it sounds, it sounds really like virtue signally, like you just ignorant, but no, but I think it, um, ignorance is like unwisdom. No, calling it ignorance is helpful because I, I, again, there's a way that just all of counseling, all of therapy has become, um, medicalized or hospitalized, whatever the word is mm-hmm. like it's it's become they've become medical problems clinical mm. clinical it, yeah it's it all, all of this has become much more clinical it, again even seeing that psychiatrists you go through medical school that's you learn how to take care of the body that's what then allows you to treat the, the psyche the soul of the person um ignorance is something all of us deal with and again whoever you referenced before someone who says that everyone should go to counseling that is correct everyone should have good counsel in their life uh, whether mm-hmm. that should come from the formalized structure of what we now call counselors. I think that's a secondary question. Mm-hmm. Um, but there should be wise people who speak counsel, uh, regardless of who you are, regardless of whether you pay them for their time. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. It is a broader function than just the doctor's office you go to. But in, in my own life, I can say that there are there are certain there is a function to people who have that clinical training, sure. uh, especially when in regards to trauma, like people that. I have met that have had serious, serious trauma in their lives. I feel unable to correct 
to, to deal with some of the, I'm going to use ignorance. I don't mean it to be insulting, but some of the, some of the issues they're having, because I don't know the reality of what's going on in their, in their mind and with their brain chemistry. And sometimes it is like they are entering a fight or flight response and their body is having like certain hormones that do certain things and having them understand the reality of the world, which is that their body is reacting in a certain way is really helpful towards their healing. Yeah. Obviously, that's there, something I can't help. Sure. Obviously, there's a place for still that professionalized um, view yes. toward counseling. Um, again, yeah. what most people need is simply counsel. What most people need is the... But AJ, but what you're talking about is like, there. those are the, the cases where when something of an extreme nature that is not the average everyday ordinary thing. But when we say, well, what's good for that situation should be it's democratized and given to everybody. Right. And then you, but then you're going to have these, um, then you're going to have the, sort of these 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 weird incentive structures mm-hmm. where you're going to catastrophize ordinary experience yeah. versus extraordinary experience, right. um, or you're going to pathologize regular human experience versus mm. extraordinary human experience, which does contain a certain there's um, a physical element, uh, which does contain like something that that acts in the in the person like a patho- like a like a, a pathogen, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're right. When someone has experienced extreme trauma, uh, witnessing horrific things, that that extraordinary experience, they now have like yes, very real sort of physiological things that happen, like a fight or flight experience of yeah. thing. But to say, well, that's helpful for them. It could be helpful for someone dealing with too much math homework well now you or whatever right who's feeling or who's feeling really bummed that they got dumped um uh that's a dangerous move even though it feels like a caring move well let me take it even further so that uh i forget who first pointed me to this but uh, narcissistic personality disorder is included in the (laughs) um uh dsm and you know can you imagine going into the doctor being diagnosed with npd Mm -hmm. it's only changes it from i'm just pride you're you're a jerk or i yeah i have a pride problem Two, I have this disorder. It's the way I am. Do you, that language shift, I think, is really important in this. But uh, there, yeah. but there even help. Like, yeah, not not to downplay the pathologizing side. Like, for me to understand that I have seasonal affective disorder means that when it's cloudy and I feel this impending feeling of doom, I can tell myself the truth that nothing has changed, that my world is good, and that I simply have a weird feeling that I can safely ignore. Yeah, I don't mean I'm not trying to disagree with you guys. I'm, no, you're not disagreeing. No, I'm, it's just I, I'm wondering if there's more to say than just that. Um, the again, my worry is that the gatekeepers of something like a DSM are not at, have uh, uh, the incentives to let more things in. Yes, <laughs> right. Than should be let in sure. to the category of like pathological behavior. Because in the I mean the legal side of it then is that um, only licensed professional counselors can then deal with a thing. Correct. The, the DSM is not technically, it, I know the DSM yeah. is not law, but still to say, if you are speaking with someone who is prideful, they suddenly get narcissistic yeah. personality dis- disorder. Now it's a licensed professional counselor. And then counselor this, this creeps up in our yeah. thesis program where kids are like, oh, I want to argue that like shaky leg syndrome should be added to the DSM. It's like, well, mm, right. How? Yeah. So that's all um, I wanted to point to. I thought, Graham's idea from last time was really um, helpful and interesting that um, there's a way that an approach to giving counsel has well, thank you, Thomas. been changed. I thought that was a really great seven <laughs> minutes of the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least we could salvage something from it, right? something from it. Um, And then just to say that there is this, um, it, it, again, we're going back to the 300s. There's an ancient tradition of this, of the way of dealing with problems in life doesn't just have to be changing how you feel about them. There are 
objective truths outside of you that to point to and to learn about to educate yourself. But I thought old people were just superstitious. That's exactly and right. And had yes, nothing, exactly. no value this, for the modern man. I didn't say this earlier, but like, um, isn't like the whole point of enlight- the Enlightenment project to like get all the benefits of religion without religion? Yes. And like that's part of what psychology is. is guess what's going to happen? Uh, uh, it all falls apart. All things yes. fall apart. Um, and so just to say that like these methods, um, can still be helpful and work. There's still the Christian counseling education foundation. Um, Nuthetic counseling is another movement within this, but, um, yeah, there, or even if you are a church going person, your local pastor, um, they have something to say about whatever you're going through. They want to help mm-hmm. you. Um, and, and in many cases, they're a great first person to go to. Um, and they'll tell you if you need to go to a counselor after that, but just to say that. So cool. I think that's all I wanted to say. Rock and roll. Cool. Yeah. Last words, Graham? Oh, just that, that that last thing that Thomas said is probably going to spark a new, another podcast, which is, yeah, that the, the goal of the Enlightenment Project is to have all the benefits of religion without God. When that project fails, and we talked about this in the podcast on um, After Virtue, yeah. when that project inevitably fails, what is birthed out of that? And I think part of it is some kind of, like, more primitive, primitive folklore spirituality. Like I think about this every time I see people say, "Oh look," um, or "Or do you know that like witches have been cropping up on TikTok?" Have you heard? Have you heard the story? No. Oh so no, like, there's a whole witch movement. So there's a whole really? witch movement happening right now, where yeah. it's sort of going into um, you know this rediscovering of the old ways of the. What it's are they, largely kids? paganism, I think. And it's sort of paganism, and or, or sort of praying, or little voodoo dolls, or or little spells, and that kind of thing. I but this, that it, will take hold in in people yeah. when something like uh, when the enlightenment doesn't give what it promised, which sure. is sort of uh, spiritual meaning without God. People will be like, "Oh, well, I've now discovered this thing that actually is giving me more spiritual meaning, and it's going to be this more sort of yeah." And I think primitive. that's along. Anyway, the, that's I think all. that's along the lines. Rusty Reno just came out with a book, "Return of the Strong Gods," um, but mm, he points mm, not mm-hmm. to. You're, po- you're saying like actual like ancient pagan religions. He's mm-hmm. pointing to like nationalism as what steps in as the mm-hmm. answer. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can, yeah. And nationalism, he, he goes into that nationalism, populism. Yeah. Essentially, it's all broken down into tribalism. Yes, exactly. So some people will find a tribe in a strong nation. Some yes. people will find a tribe in like esoteric teachings of pseudo of like wacky spirituality, yeah. like the OTO or something. I don't know what that is. It's that the is. basically the Church of Satan. Yeah. Oh. Um. Or or you know um, communities that form around. Um, other sort of special interest groups like you know, uh, people who really like heavy metal music in Finland. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a thing. Right. You know, so yeah. these uh, the, the world will sort of fracture into those sort of more tribal allegiances, yeah. um, which is... A bummer. Maybe. Oh, this will be another episode then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, uh, no, I think you're right. And ultimately, it is going to be a bummer. Um, but it is also like, will there be a soft landing or a hard landing in that kind of thing? Don't know. I always so as I end here, I always think about takeaways for our non-Christian listeners. And if I wasn't, I, I think the totally. takeaway I would take yeah. was if I'm if I'm heading towards counseling, and if you agree with with my posit that the best like wisdom is to have your best grasp of reality, then you need to find a counselor that you believe has a direct grasp of what of is actually happening and yep. can counsel you. As for that. Like for that specifically. And I think that's good advice for Christian listeners too. If you are going to take advice from someone, make sure that they have as little, and I'm using ignorance in the, as in like lacking 
a correct view of the world, as little ignorance as possible, yeah. that they have their kind of finger on the pulse of exactly what's happening, and I can go to them for advice. And I think that's, we all do that. Like, yeah. we look for people that we think are smart. Yeah. Okay, anyway, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know, and I gave all that information we usually give at the end at the beginning. So I guess we just say... You stop listening anyway. See you next time. <laughs> Why would you say that? Because like, I do when I listen to podcasts. When you're wrapping just, up, oh, I'm like, bam. So no one's listening right now. I can say anything. We can say whatever we want to right now. What do you? Peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) 